Walking around with them blue faces. She said I'm down to my luck in the summer, I gotta have blue faces. I hit the bank today and told them color me back. Blue faces. Okay, happy Sunday, everybody. This is yet another episode of Thoughts from a Counselor. We are your hosts, Libra Lester III. And Paul Singleton II. <laughs> so as always, you know, we love our guests. We love to include our community in all the great work that we do. Because we know that's the benefit of having a great network. You know, you, you want to tap them. You want to bring them in and let them share themselves with everybody. So we've invited two more to join us. And now we're going to let them say just like a little bit about them. So like maybe one quick fact. And uh, we'll start with you, Ernesto. Hello, everyone. My name is Ernesto Graham II. I'm currently residing in Fayetteville, North Carolina. <laughs> property manager and I'm studying to take my real estate exams. So hopefully be a licensed realtor in the very near future. Nice, mm-hmm. nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Team Suffix. The seconds we out here, the thirds we out here. Yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> on the name. Yes. Not for the week. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> and now Alexa. All right. I'm Alexa Thomas the first. Just kidding. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm in Connecticut with all the lovely snow. Um, I'm working as a paralegal, got my undergrad degree from the University at Albany a few years ago, and I haven't quite gone back, still living with that idea and taking it one day at a time as to whether I will go back for my master's or another higher education degree. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. And now... You want to let them know who we are, Paul? Of course. It's one of my favorite parts of the show. So um, (laughs) to give you all an idea of who we are, we are two black counselors in training who are bridging the gap between what we were taught, what we know, and what we think we know, all through understanding the world by recognizing that the world is still being formed. So now that you know us, uh, Libra, what is our topic of the day? What are we focusing on today? Okay, so today's topic is one that's near and dear to all of our hearts, it's growing pains, and more specifically how hard it can be to sometimes grow too fast or feel like you're growing too slow. And our very first segment is beginning with growth as a process. So our very first question is that growth is a part of our journey. You know, it's something that people love to emphasize. It's something that's considered like really, really important, but it's something that begins at uncertain times. So the question for everybody is what is the first point in your life that you remember having, or at least feeling growth in yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think to kick it off, you want to start Paul? For sure. Um, I think <laughs> the first moment I realized that I was growing or that there was some semblance of growth in me is when I learned not to talk back. And I know that seems very, very light, but it was very influential knowing that I didn't have to respond every time my mother said something that I may or not uh, like. My father told me to do something and I, did, and I didn't want to do it. And, you know, learning those re- uh, repercussions when you do talk back or when you don't um, do what is necessary um, or do what your parents necessarily need you to do. So when I look back and, and see how that first time where I was like, you know what, Paul, just stay in your head. This is a crazy situation. Be like, okay, you know what? Yes, mom. <laughs> Versus 
But 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 or saying, well, you do it, and and I learned that lesson real quick. Never say you do it to a parent. Just any young listeners uh, out there, um, just to save yourself. But needless to say, and all jokes aside, I think those that moment where I could control myself and control those reactions that I have um, showed not only the growth that I was ex- um, embodying at that moment, but just taught me how to better navigate conversations and in situations, especially when it came to things that would impact my life immediately, whether that was punishment, um, trying to get a gang going to school, um, dealing with conflicts within school and within my life. So um, I think that was my first exposure to real growth as a child. Okay. And now, would you like to go next, Ernesto? Sorry. Um, <laughs> when I first started, uh, when I first noticed growth was probably be uh, feeling comfortable or at ease in situations in which I was physically anxious about. So, you know, just always being worried or concerned about, you know, different spaces or how I would react to moving them and then finding assurance and self-confidence uh, in myself and just having really the um, self-fighter, self-sense of work understanding who I was and, um, you know, not to let you know, minimal things worry me. So um, mm-hmm. being worrisome in a situation in the past and then revisiting or um, re- coming back to that space, but in a different mind state and realizing, wow, this wasn't, you know, so bad or, as, uh, you know, um, scary as before. And that was my mm-hmm. really pick up and notice what. Okay. And now Alexa? I think, I mean, I'm sure there's been a lot probably earlier instances of growth. I think the first one where I was really aware that I was growing was after the end of like my first long relationship. It was like five years before then I was in high school. I was, I had a few boyfriends too. So this was really the first time that I was single and I really didn't have a significant other. So it was pretty scary for me um, because it's like, how do I navigate that? I've never really done it before um, and just being alone and being comfortable being by yourself and not constantly having interactions with someone else, whether it be texting them throughout the day or calling them throughout the day, just being able to, you know, be again, comfortable by yourself. And in that time I really was able to learn, you know, hobbies that I like and going out and doing things that I wanted to do and things that I wanted to enjoy. And I was able to connect, more a lot more with my friends and just really doing things that like I enjoyed and that was like the biggest time where I looked back and I was like wow really am a much different person than I was before this experience mm-hmm. um and it really just helped me to you know enjoy being alone and not feeling lonely by yourself okay okay and to answer for myself I think the first time I recognized growth in myself may have been sophomore year of high school, more specifically like that summer getting ready to go into it. Cause I remember that was when I first became like more aware of my own individuality because before then I think a lot of like my schooling experiences had been about like performance, about trying to do things that I thought would like look good to my peers or like would get me acclaim or popularity but I remember one of my mentors was talking about how when you go on to the next phase of like schooling, 
And more specifically, when you're trying to map out where you would even want to go to college, because I always knew rather early that I was interested. He kept emphasizing that you have to figure out what you like and what you care to do and what you don't want to do. And it stuck out to me because I realized that was like a gap area in my mind. I hadn't quite conceptualized, even though through my mannerisms, I sort of knew what I liked doing and what felt like me. And I always reference that point in time when I'm in a new growth area. So that was like a really icky decision because the first thing that came to my mind after I had that was, well, what if people don't like stuff that I like? (laughs) And now I got to like explain or defend to other people, you know, why I do certain things. But that's sort of a key part of growth, you know, recognizing that it's a process. So you're going to tackle different parts at different times with the first phase being you realizing that you have to grow. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And, and to even think about how we all give examples of younger age of recognizing this growth that speaks to your, uh, your development as a child or your development as going throughout, going through life again, um, being in 10th grade, being teenagers or, being young adults to to know that it's not only it is a process more so than just a situation that is happening in the here and now. Um, I think that shows the maturity and it takes a certain level of maturity to truly recognize that, in my opinion, mm-hmm. or recognize and identify that growth. Mm-hmm. So since we're we're on growth and we're going to continue to be on growth, I think this is a perfect transition into our second question. And I think we've highlighted that growth touches um, a lot of different areas, whether it's from work, our relationships, or even our hobbies. So I would love to hear from you all, what are some of the various areas in your life you've experienced growth? And we'll start with you, Alexa. What are some of those various areas in your life that you've experienced growth? I think that over the past, I would say five years, I've experienced a lot of personal growth. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of that growth came from working at certain jobs or in, you know, as a paralegal and um, working in those spaces because I've always kind of, I'm really, you know, passionate and really proud of the work that I put out and the employee that I am. Um, but at certain times, whether it be the level of responsibility in my job or the location, it hasn't always, always been as, you know, the best option for me. Um, for example, my last job, I had been there for two years and I was working for one attorney and I had really learned all that I could learn from him. And at that point I was only staying because I felt almost obligated in a way to stay because I was like, if I leave, he's not going to have anyone helping him. But my, my mother surprisingly reminded me that, you know, this life that you have is yours and you have to make decisions for yourself. You can't think about how what you do. You can think about how it will affect someone else, but not to the point where it's negatively affecting your own life. So I had to take myself. I have to think to myself, okay, I have to do things for me. Like I have to go out and find a new job that's going to be, it's going to benefit me financially in a better position. I'll have. I didn't have any health insurance. I need to. Okay, I'll have health insurance. I have benefits, um, and that was really you know, a place in my life where I had a lot of growth, Um, you know, just being able to say, I need to put myself first 
in certain aspects and I need to do things that are going to benefit me in the future and set me up better in the future versus always thinking, oh, well, they're not going to like me if I quit. They're going to think, you know, this or that if I end up giving in my two. So you just have to just do things for you, really, which is one of the hardest things I had to learn and really grow into. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. Ernesto, how about you? Yes, for me, uh, I noticed growth uh, personally would have to be um, how I deal or how I dealt with depression because at one point in my life, I would find myself in of sadness or anxiety. And rather than reaching out to the proper circles or support groups, I would look for other ways to try to find happiness and joy that just weren't as constructive or even beneficial to me. So realizing that I had an area in which I needed help with and trying to find healthy ways to cope with that, um, it took time. It wasn't something that I found overnight. It was something that I really battled with um, for a long time. And coming out of it and then having a newfound knowledge to be able to recognize signs of just um, patterns and which would lead to a depressive state uh, was big for me because then I would be able to see, okay, like what happened in my day or type of interactions that, you know, I was having, um, they just might have led to a state of sadness or uh, depression and then, you know, being happy to say like, wow, I noticed that I'm not going to let, you know, one thing affect me or I understand that if I am going to be affected by something because as we all know, life happens and, you know, it's okay to get sad. Right. To be able to, like, have a strong uh, friend group or even family to be able to say, hey, you know, I'm not feeling so great right now. You know, can I talk about it? Or even, like, having loved ones who be able to recognize, you know, like, okay, you might not be feeling too hot. You know, what can we do? Do you need space? Do you, you know, want someone to talk to? And um, just finding, like I said, those healthy ways um, was huge for me on the other side of it. Because, like, you know, it, it made it seem beatable, you know, like, well, it was beatable feeling great. I got two puppies in my lap, so I'm never been happy, but, you know, in days since, it was like, you know, it, it feels good knowing that, you know, you have people who care and know that people who care. You know, for sure, for sure. In those type of states, you feel like, you know, you don't have them. So, I was in that mindset. For me. For sure. And the puppies are a part of your growth. Those champions in your life are a part of growth, and we, we have to recognize that the community that surrounds us is just as inf- influential to our growth um, as we are for ourselves. So I love how you highlighted how not only did you have to go through this, but your champions in your life supported you while you went through it. So thank you. And Brother Lieber, do you have any um, thoughts or comments that you want to add around growth? Yeah, I've experienced growth in multiple portions of my life. Uh, I've experienced growth in academic ways, you know, more specifically going to college and having to learn how to study. I've learned growth in social ways and learning how to best balance a social life with a work life now in grad school that, well, granted, we're in the panoramic now, but before that, (laughs) when I could do a lot more having to figure out how to balance my class and my job and my social life. I've experienced growth in my relationships and the ways in which I maintain them and I create them and I add to them. 
and I've had growth in internal ways, you know, just in the ways like I engage with myself and the way that I self-care and even the way that I allow myself to get sleep and I make sure like I'm trying to get quality of sleep. And the specific point on that I'll talk about is how many of us, because of how society socializes us, have let ourselves believe we don't need sleep, that sleep is kind of unproductive, that sleep is something that indicates a lack of determination. But sleep is a core part of productivity because if you try to do anything on minimal sleep, assuming you don't fall asleep while doing the task, you're in a haze, you know, if stuff isn't clicking, you know, stuff isn't coming to you as naturally as it once did. And I had to recognize that for every phase of life that I'm in, I do have to adapt my habits to match that. You know, I have to grow them because in undergrad, I remember I came into college still similar to like my high school schedule. So I was like, Mm -hmm. I'll be asleep by like 10 o'clock. And then, you know, that that doesn't work in college. So now we getting home from parties at like three, four in the morning. (laughs) So I'll just start taking naps during the day. Right. You know, that didn't really work either. Now I get to grad school, you know, I can't be taking naps in the middle of the day and I can't be out till three in the morning, at least during the week. (laughs) No, definitely. (laughs) I have bigger responsibilities. (laughs) Yeah. I have stuff that has to get done. And at first, I used to get irritated because it's like, dang, like this is controlling my life without me realizing that, well, in what ways have I adjusted, you know, and grown my definition of my life to suit where I'm at? Because I don't necessarily have to part with that. I just have to, again, grow the way I do work and how I do work. Mm. So like if it's a big project coming up, maybe I'm not out till three in the morning on Wednesday, but if we just got a homework assignment, <laughs> Turn up. Maybe do one or two. <laughs> right. Let me do the first ten questions. You know, like, I'll get like, to the rest later. But um, and that's that's an important thing. We have to be willing to listen to others on that too, because I grew my way of like even sleeping and engaging because of like my roommate Ernesto, because he would be like, "Yo, like we doing this, we doing that. You <laughs> right. you don't want to do this." I'm like, I I kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, in college, it was the growth of learning to say yes. But like I said, in grad school, it was the growth of learning to say no. (laughs) I see. I see. I can definitely relate to those uh, experiences that you all shared, and specifically you too, Liebert. Um, To not rehash what everyone says or said already, I think um, my growth was in multiple different areas. And but one that's more uh, prominent in my mind is that growth of understanding that growth is okay, that it's real, but also embracing it. Uh, and specifically, what I'm looking at and thinking about is my growth in my leadership ability, and knowing when to step up and embracing that role. I think a lot of the times in undergrad, I was fine with being that worker, be you know doing what it has to be done. I'll be assigned a role. I'm on a committee and I'm ready to work, but not necessarily. I didn't want to be in the forefront or be a leader. But graduate school, my new job, (laughs) all the experience since um, enrolling in graduate school have been at the forefront. I have to be a leader. I have to lead by example. And and one, when I first stepped into those roles, there was a lot of fear around it. There was a lot of uncertainty and anxiety. But knowing that this was one of those moments for me to test and see not only if I'm capable, but if I'm able to not to really be the person and the, the man that I envisioned myself being. So um, really immersing myself in that growth and 
being ready to embrace the the trials, the tribulations, the highs, the lows, and the leadership role was something that really stuck with me and something that I appreciate really being able to recognize through my growth journey um, through graduate school. And I think that um, is a great segue into our next segment. Libra, do you mind leading us in that segment? Or do you? does anyone else sure. have any more comments or that they want to add or talk? Oh, yeah, that's up? a great point. Does anybody else have any more, you know, just quick little thoughts, ideas they want to toss before we transition? I mean, just going off what Paul said, he said something that really stuck with me is, like, you have to choose to grow, I think. Mm-hmm. Really, it's something that, I mean, it can find you, but... You have to be able to look into yourself and say, okay, I am at this level in my life and I would like to be here. I want to be, you know, at a better place. And you have to choose to get there. And it can take a long time. You can go up and go down, go backwards, go forwards. But you really have to choose and you really have to be consistent in, you know, getting yourself to grow to wherever you'd like to be. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you've also reminded me, too, that growth looks different for us all. And we have to always keep that in mind when we're trying to assess the growth of others as well as how we grow. Uh, to avoid over-talking into the next segment, I'm going to keep it short. <laughs> but there are a lot of moments where if our growth doesn't mirror our peers, we believe it's not growth. And we think perhaps we've done something wrong. But just like how there are a bunch of different flowers or there are a bunch of different methods of cooking mac and cheese, you can get a great product by taking different steps and doing things in different orders. Mm-hmm. And our next segment now, actually, I just saw you unmuted, Ern. You had something else to add as well? Uh, no, you all actually highlighted it just about growth being something that uh, the individual has to want for themselves. Or, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, you can have somebody tell you um, you need to change or you have something you have to work on but until you decide that you want to do something for yourself, honestly, it's not going to happen. And I just want to do all of that. And that confirmation is that part. Okay. Awesome, bro. And our next segment now is growth can be scary. <laughs> you know, a key part of all changes is the reality that, like we said, it's Growth can have a lot of facets and forms. There are some parts that are really obviously good, and then there are parts that are like like heavy and (laughs) really, really daunting. So our, our next question now to kick off this segment is, what are some instances where you were afraid to make a change? And for this one, I saw that all of you sort of looked up and moved, so whoever feels like they'd like to go first can start us off. For me, like a, a big part where I was hesitant to change or hesitant to grow would be going back to working as a paralegal. Um, I really was hesitant to find a new job and to grow in that position, to grow professionally. Um, and, you know, working where I was working, I was only working with one other person. So growing to work with other coworkers learning from them and being able to have that support system that you have other coworkers where you don't necessarily have that when you're working on your own. It's something that I really was obviously, or, you know, 
scared or nervous of doing because once you're and being that I was there for two years, once you've been doing something every day, you're going to the same building, the same commute, you have the same boss, you know what mm-hmm. their expectations are, you get comfortable. And I really was nervous to get into a new job where I don't know if I'm, if my personality is going to mess well with my supervisors, if I'm going to mess well with my coworkers. And I really had to remind myself that if I want to grow or if I want to you know, progress in life, I have to make these leaps and I have to make these jumps because if I stay where I am, I'm really going to stay where I am Mm. and I'm not going to get to where I want to be. So that's something I had to remind myself was just, you know, you have to, wherever you're uncomfortable, you have to make those jumps because that's really where you can grow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it took me a while to get there, you know, mentally prepared for that. Um, Not something that I kind of pushed off, but Eventually I did it, and I can honestly say that I'm happy that I did, but also very upset that it took me this long. But that's growth. It's, you know, there's no time frame for it. It happens when you're ready and or when you're not ready. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's important to grow while afraid. You know, you don't have to be your perfect, most confident self to, to grow and to do the thing. And that it may be closer to the truth to say that we always grow with a, a degree of fear or a degree of uneasiness. Mm-hmm. Sure. And now, Ernesto, I remember you also wanted to follow up. Uh, just to add to Alexa's point, um, just having a fear of growth, is just the uncertainty of what's going to happen or be the result of it. Um, often I think we have a fear of failure that, you know, we don't want to go into something because, you know, we don't have that guaranteed success. So I think that that's a major hindrance rather than just seeing um, the process for what it is and having respect for it to say we're more interested in the outcome. And that was that was definitely something that applied um, for me. I was always trying to skip steps to just, you know, say, okay, I'm going to set a goal and I'm going to just, you know, automatically going out and achieve it. You know, you know a whole lot of smaller steps you have to do in order to get there um, to meet that end goal. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I agree too. I think that's also sometimes tricky for some people because they only see the big steps. They don't see all the little mini steps you have to take every day to get there. So I think that sometimes can be, can add to that easy feeling um, because you're like, oh, how'd they get from here to there? Because you don't really see all the little things that they had to do along the way to get to where they are. Right. Mm-hmm. And to add, I think, yeah, for sure, for sure. To add, I think fear is definitely a major part, but I also think um, it's also around that lack of meeting certain expectations or also shame um, that comes with not meeting those expectations. So when I think about um, transition, when you go to college and you may have some friends or homeboys or however you classify them, homies um, who stay back home, and now you're changing in their eyes and the shame comes, well, you're a college boy, right? Or, or you acting white or you're too educated now, whatever the case may be. There's all these things that could be said where now there's a shame that comes with your growth. There's shame or there's some type of negative feeling that comes with your ability to change. Um, and because you feel that expectation, because you feel like I need to please someone else, um, that, hesitate, that hesitation come, steps in. Um, for myself specifically, I know there was a lot of people that I had to cut out of my life, but I was hesitant to change uh, to do it because I felt like I was doing a disservice to them because I I 
changed my lifestyle or I changed my mindset about something and but but excuse me but because I didn't want to call someone out on it or because I didn't want to rock the boat I let them say what they wanted to say and it stopped me from fully becoming who I needed to be in that moment or um maybe delayed what I needed to become because I'm too concerned with other people's perspectives or too concerned with what um, they have to say or think around my, my own life. And I think that mm -hmm. speaks to the larger grand scale around fear and what comes with these transitional moments and these changes in our lives, um, no matter if it's professional or if it's personal, even with that, that scorn ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, like you, you're that fear of, I don't know if I can get do better or uh, when they're when you're getting ready to walk out the door and they say you can't do better than me or you'll never find anybody um, better than me I'm David Ruffin I don't know if y'all watch uh, the music biopics back in the day but needless to say that's what I was referencing um, but I think the fear that comes with the change the the shame that comes with it is a major portion as to why people tend to hesitate on actually enacting change and then we get to Alexis point and also Ernesto's point, you get complacent, you get um, comfortable with the fact that I'm in a situation or you're now tolerating these negative traits, these um, negative feelings that come with a person or a situation because your fear, your, your fear is stopping you from leaving that situation or growing out of, out of it. Mm -hmm. And fear has such a wide reach. There are so many ways that fear can inform our thoughts, you know, there's the fear of failure. There's the fear of not being liked. You know, there's the fear of not fitting in. Right. There's the fear of it being the wrong choice. And <laughs> all of those, if not a couple of them, are always in the back of our minds when we're trying to do new things. Because what the reality of comfort is, is that sometimes comfort isn't truly comfort. It's familiarity. Right. You know, if this <laughs> is a space, if this is a job, if this is a you name it, that we at least feel like we understand, even if we can't control it, we'll stay there. We'll let it stifle us just for the sake of feeling like I chose this disappointment. I wasn't surprised by it as if all disappointment is created equal <laughs> right. because I think right. I'd rather be disappointed because I tried and got a tweak than being disappointed because, dang, I really sat here unhappy for five or ten years because of this or because of that. And to now offer my particular way in, you know, I'm going to shout out my good friend Unique who we had on episode 24 because she pushed me to do a support group with the club we were both a part of going into my junior year. Mm. Um, as y'all have probably already understood, I've always been big on mental health. I've always really, really liked it. But the club we were in was huge. It had like 600 members. It was at the neighboring college of Spelman College, which wasn't my college because I went to Morehouse. And all I kept thinking of is, you want me to do this? Because, like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know too many people. So what if they don't want to join the support group because I'm over it? You know, what if I'm not good at it? I had all these ideas in my head. And she was basically like, boy, if I get to this campus after this summer is over and you've told me no, I'm going to have something for you. <laughs> And it went wonderfully, you know, I, I enjoyed it. It's still going on now, though I'm, I'd have to check in and see how it's changed since the virtual shift happened. But it was called Bettering Ourselves Brothers. And as it sounds like, it was a way for us to discuss our mental health and our wholeness outside of being students. 
And it was so great for me personally because I got to see myself reflected back at me in that room every time we met. Right. Because even when we have new ideas and even when we've grown, we still feel isolated. You know, we still feel like outliers. So to realize that through me growing and assisting in creating this space, I got to then be poured into by people who I didn't even know I was in community with was so freeing and was so, so liberating. And yet I almost lost out on it just because I was like, well, what about a 600 people? 20 don't like me. You know what the odds are of 600 new people just disliking you? I could have quickly <laughs> done that. You have to figure out some people right. was going to, but that's a testament to how powerful and how suffocating fear can be for mm. our growth. And I think, too, you can have – oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I think, too, you can have also, like, the fear of success. Like, what if sure. it works out and I can't handle it? What if, you know, everything goes as I want to and it's not how I envisioned it to be? So I think fear really can be anything. Like you said, it's very wide and it covers all different things. So I just wanted to add that little bit in there. <laughs> Definitely. You all are um... – I don't know. It's like you almost seen my notes and just <laughs> wrapping them off. But to your point, Liebert, about um, comfort, I think that plays a huge role in terms of growth and development because, um, you know, in science, it's an uh, object at rest will tend to stay at rest until isolated upon by an outside force. And, you know, to be frank, you know, we're lazy. You know, nobody wants yeah. to exercise. We don't have to. We'd rather sit on the couch and, you know, eat chips and watch TV because we want our muscles to feel relaxed. But it's getting out of that comfort zone and, you know, putting yourself in an uncomfortable or uh, unfamiliar situation mm -hmm. that you're able to adapt and change and realize um, those changes and use them to develop yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I may even push back on that just a little bit and say that I don't think we're lazy as it is. I think we often don't realize how easy it is to try because thinking a task is daunting can delay us because we're like, I have to do this at the perfect time in the perfect way. And we don't realize that all that is in essence is a form of procrastinating. You know, mm -hmm. we often think that over planning is a good thing because we think that that shows dedication. But as we, as many of us have seen with these time tests, you can sort of plan all you want while you're in the test trying to produce the answer, but over planning doesn't necessarily indicate preparedness. It more often than not may be anxiety because you feel like if I don't get this right, it's the end. Even though out of like 20 questions, you've only been stuck on one question, <laughs> but you're making this one question life or death. Cause you're like, but, but what if my ease on the others was this? And what if this question is the true metric for how I am? And it's like, whoa, 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 you know, put press pause on the video game. It is your brain for a second. And like, let's get up and get some water right. because now you, you've created this scenario that doesn't quite apply without even realizing that what's so wrong with it taking an extra second if it needs to. And that's the thing if it needs to is what people miss. On top of the fact that our society has conditioned us to think that we need instant results too. So that mindset of, yeah, it may take time and it may, because 
we want these instant results. We want answers the moment we put this these things in the world. Um, I think that causes that uh, shame, that causes that mindset to think that I am not able to do it or it's not worth doing it because I can't get it when I when I want it more so than when I need to get it or when I need to grow and develop it. Excuse. Me. So I think this one. First of all, this conversation is moving wonderfully, and I love all the insights and the inputs that we're all um, adding to these to this discussion right now. So I think it's important for us to take it a step further and discuss how change is also a process that does not happen overnight. So change can both happen at a slow pace as well as something that can be delayed by us. So I would love to hear, um, and I'll start with you, Ernesto, what are some instances where you have hesitated to make the change that you wanted to make? What are some instances where you have hesitated, took a pause or took a break um, to make a change that you wanted to make? Um, to piggyback off of Alexa's point, I've actually been hesitant myself in terms of making some life changes just because I actually was afraid of what might be the result and you know, not fully embracing or understanding mm. um, what that version of me might look like because, you know, it's kind of considered foreign. But um, after learning about some loved ones, I've kind of fully embraced it and um, I'm chasing my dream in terms of what I want to do entrepreneurial mentorship and it's just opened so many doors and I can, I can wake up feeling good about you know my job and, and what I do and what I want but it was hesitating or I was just contemplating was I willing to put that investment back into myself for me, I'm one of the people I enjoy seeing others thrive and their success. I'm always cheering people on. You know, I celebrate their wins and before my wins and focus on everybody to eat. And often I spend that energy towards others that I can use the resources for myself. And I was just like, you know, that, that wouldn't be like me. I, I've, I've never known how to do that. But I've come to a point in my life where that's the necessity. You know, you know I'm branching out and big changes to make, but I'm taking the time, effort, energy, and love and saying, you know what, all that um, positive things that I'm always pouring out to others, like now I'm going to dedicate and say, uh, I'm going to put that into myself and really invest and bet on me and, you know, let's, let's, let's take this on. But initially I was thinking, man, you know, what if I end up being, you know, prideful or money hungry, you know, just I won't even say, you know, less compassionate, really. Um, we're doing our trying to be, which a lot of people become overwhelmed mm. with the access to power or what they seem to think is power. You know, we all know sometimes that money doesn't change. It's not like who you was before the earth. And I've come to grips with saying, you know, I'm not going to have those money you know, put all this positivity and say, you know, I'm going to, you know, dictate my own future. I'm definitely going to be the same person and just use my platform and outreach, you know, just expand it even further and just help as many people as I can. Mm -hmm. Sure. In a way, I also think you're talking about 
in our in our growth and in our development, making sure we also make room for failure and realize it's okay to save that space. Because once again, we do often really, really say like, nah, like I can't mess up. This is like my only chance. And it's like, life is really, <laughs> really long. So you, you, we, all of us do have a lot of chances. And when we do sort of stop at failure is a bad thing, we miss that sometimes you, you do need to fail to learn how to better do it right because you have to learn what doesn't work to right. better increase the chances of finding and learning what does work. Sure. And I, think I do want to piggyback. Oh. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> the space is for the guests. Please, Alexa, go ahead. <laughs> um, I do want to piggyback off of that and then go into what my answer would be for that question. Um, because similar to Ernesto, I was also hesitant to begin, you know, starting my own business and, you know, venturing into that unknown area um, because I was scared of failure and I was fearful of trying something and presenting it to my friends, to my family, to whoever, and then failing and having to deal with how to present that or how to navigate through that. Um, so that was definitely a big reason for why I was you know, hesitant or fearful to do so. And I also thought, what if I start this? I think I'm going to like it and I don't. And then I stop and people think that I failed at it or I wasn't good at it. And it's a lot of, I realized quickly that it was a lot of me projecting what I think other people would think of me mm. instead of how I would think of myself, which I think is the most important um, because people are going to think something different. You know, you can't control how they view you and it's always going to be, it won't always be in line with what you think of yourself. Um, so it's pointless to try and control that and to try and predict how they're going to view you in certain scenarios. So um, that was a big hurdle for me to overcome, and that's why I was so hesitant um, to start it because, you know, you want it to be perfect, and you have what you think it should go, how, how it should go, and how you think people think it should go, and you don't want to really, you know, move too far from that. Um, but I ended up, you know, trying it out, um, and it's a good way, I think, for me to learn more about myself as with most things that you try. Um, but it was hard to really push myself to start it because a lot of it is unknown when you're starting your own business or, you know, becoming an entrepreneur because a lot of times, you know, I, you don't have a lot of, you know, if you don't have a mentor or you're doing it on your own, mm -hmm, there's a lot mm -hmm. that you don't really know when you're starting out or even as you're continuing, you're always learning new things as you keep going. Sure. And to me, it sounds like you're describing that balance between hesitation as uh, something that's negative and fearful, but also hesitation as something being mindful, too, because I think it's important that we highlight that sometimes hesitation can be good when it's you're, you being more mindful of a situation you are observing and trying to collect um, and get an idea of what is going on around you, then making an actionable move versus just being paralyzed by that fear. Like, for example, if I hear a dog bark, barking around the block and I know that I have to go on that block to, to meet up with some of my friends, I'm going to be hesitant. 
That's and uh, because I I know what's around there. I may have a, I'm being mindful of the environment that I know that I'm in. I know that that dog is always in that yard, the yard right in front of my friend's house, and I may have to go through it to get to my friend's house. Um, so being more mindful um, and not letting that fear you know paralyze you or stop you from you know making a wise decision or making a calculated decision is something to be considered as well um, when you are hesitating. I think mine would be in reference to relationships, especially mm-hmm. in college, because that was like my first time of actually like setting a title on things, right? Because, you know, like in high school, when you see somebody in like six or seven periods, it's easy to be like, oh, like we're together, we date. And even if you kick it outside of like school, you still know that like a relationship in high school looks rather different <laughs> like a, than a college relationship would. And I remember the growth area for me was like deciding to tell a woman I was seeing like, Hey, like, would you like to be exclusive? Cause initially I was like, what do I need to do that for? Cause I was also with fear in mind thinking like, what if she says no, <laughs> but the reality is, and this was ultimately what ended up serving me is that you do need to, make room for the unknown by making room for what you perceive to be negative to happen. Because what I learned through that too, is that one is okay to like have your feelings and name them and speak them. Cause now that I'm 24 and I'm not 19 anymore, imagine how kind of disappointing or even limiting it would be if I still was like, nah, I'm just not going to make it known to the woman I'm dating or I want to date how I feel about them. I'll just leave it in limbo. Because then now that's not fun because who wants to be in a relationship where they feel like the other party won't disclose how they feel or where they stand. And that served me really well because as we know with men, we're often socialized to not have those vulnerable, those intimate discussions and those hurt relationships, especially if you do have a partner that is rather candid about how they feel and where y'all stand and you just like, Oh, thank you. And you're not even saying nothing back. <laughs> right, right. And then I think to, to continue off that one point that you made is, you know, sometimes we have these, um, you know, these, you know, uh, characteristics or things that we've done all our lives and things that we're used to doing, but you have to recognize and be able to look into yourself and think, okay, even though I've been doing it this way for the past 25 years, doesn't mean I have to do it for the next 25 years. There's always room for you to change certain activities or certain routines that you have, no matter how long you've been doing them, because, you know, nothing's going to stay the same forever. And it's important to always look inwards and see, Am I, am I, is how I'm doing certain things truly benefiting me the best way that they can? And if not, how can I change those so that they do benefit me in the way that I'd like them to? I think that's something, you know, that's worth thinking about. Well said, well said. Does anyone else have any final thoughts before we pass it back to Libra to transition into how our networks influence our growth and development? Mm-hmm. Yeah, another thought that came to mind, too, as Alexa was speaking, 
is that our socialization does drastically impact and sometimes limit our growth because to what I was saying earlier and related to like all of the various identities we occupy will think, oh, I don't have to do that. I don't have to learn about that because, you know, a man shouldn't do that or a person in college shouldn't do that. But then we also begin feeding into the systems at play, right? And more specifically, the systems that are doing harm. Because I'm now also thinking about how through the support group, something consistent among the male and the men portion before we did the joint sessions was a lot of men saying, I can only talk this way in here. And it made me think about how so many of us feel like we can't be vulnerable with our friends. And that's an area of growth for black men, right? Right. How many of us feel like we can't be vulnerable in our relationships? That's an area of growth for black men, right? And we can keep going down the list and talk about how because of the way we perform, because of how we see like masculinity or heteronormativity or all of this other stuff, we really are trapping ourselves because in order to perform, you have to separate from what you would otherwise do. For sure. And I, and I also think that speaks to the larger environments that our, our people, not just our people, but people come from, right? Whether that is just social economic status or just uh, the, the people that are around you on a day in, day out. Um, if your environment, our environments, our communities play a part in how we frame and how we view masculinity, how we view ourselves and our gender roles and how they play a part in our normal development. So I just wanted to make sure I added that portion as well because you make a valid point on how these other external factors play a part in growth and development too. So with that said, do you want to lead us into our third segment? Yep. And our segment three is now talking about how our networks always have input. So because our peoples love us, they ultimately want to have a say in what we do. But this help isn't always help. Uh, sometimes people are giving us advice or free game. It's really anxiety. <laughs> so now I would like to have everybody share what's some maybe negative input that your network has offered you. I can, I can go ahead and, and kick it off. Um, I think that it's not necessarily negative advice that my network or my friend group has given me. It's just advice that may have not been the best for me, but, after undergrad, after college, a lot of my friends, really most of my friends, continued on to get their master's, going to law school, but they all had very specific careers in mind that required that degree. And a lot of them, you know, I think whether it be just their 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 automatic, you know, assumption that uh, a master's degree means you make more money and it'll help me in the future, a lot of them were recommending you know, you should continue to get your master's, you shouldn't take a year off, you know, you should go to law school, come with me, I'm going to, but I think that for that, it really, you know, showed me that even, you know, even if your friend group is doing all of these things, and even if it's the right thing for them, it may not be the right thing for you, even though you both were going through the same process through undergrad, afterwards, everyone takes different steps, um, and I knew that I didn't have a 
clear career that required a master's degree. And then even if I did continue to get one, it wouldn't really have made a huge difference in my career that I have now because I really am only required to have a bachelor's degree. Um, so I think that's something that not, not necessarily was negative, but wasn't something that would have really helped me where I am now. It probably would have just added to my total amount of student loan debt. So <laughs> I'm a little happy <laughs> that I didn't add a couple zeros, but um, that would be one example for me. I would say I just want to echo what thank you for tossing me the assist first of all brother um second of all I just would love to echo what Alexa said I think to me it's it's very similar especially when I think about some of the advice that I was given from my advisors um and undergrad one, no specifically one of my advisors from my undergrad experience that uh decided and told me that graduate school probably wasn't the best option. So it was a little bit of the reverse. Although I had this idea of what I wanted to do, I wanted and how I wanted to influence my community because someone else's perceptions or someone else's thoughts of what I was capable of doing. Um, she decided to inform me or, or tell me that I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't pursue this because of the various reasons that she outlined for her own self, but they weren't my reasons. So I think um, recognizing that although you may quote unquote, and I'm putting air quotes up that I have you, your best interests at, at heart and I'm considering these things, I think sometimes they can be a little bit biased because it worked for them or because um, she felt that she was in this position of power, that she had this um, all omnipotent knowledge around what is best for her students because what she sees is what it should be. Um, that wasn't the reality. And I was just grateful that I didn't, one, I didn't let that stop me from pursuing the vision of excellence that I have for myself. But I also, it, it motivated me in a negative way where it was something that was always on my mind. Like, how could someone who's supposed to be invested in my growth and development, invested in seeing me progress, really try to hinder me in such a way? So much so that I built resentment, that I built, I won't say hatred, and I don't even like using that word, but... Uh, I think resentment is key, um, not key, but I think that's the, key, the word that I'm, think, I'm thinking of, um, which ultimately painted this whole vision of her that I wish that I didn't have because I just wanted to be supported in my growth. So um, not necessarily, you know, believing what everyone else has to say, especially when it comes to your own growth and development and understanding and, and acknowledging that it's not a universal um, type of thing. So just because it, it worked for me, it worked for Alexa, it worked for Ernesto, it worked for Libra, doesn't mean it's going to work for, for John, Mark, and Devante. So um, I'm thinking of Jodeci right now, so that's why I had to toss that out there. Um, but needless to say, um, I just really hope and I encourage listeners to be mindful of the fact that it doesn't matter what other people say necessarily when it comes to your own growth and development. It's more so important for you to recognize and value what you think about your own growth and development and how you want to enact and embody that moving forward. Ernesto, Liebert, any thoughts? Um, for me, um, negative advice that somebody's giving me is uh, growing up, 
in the south uh, is always been around. Can you come a little closer to your mic, bro? Oh, yeah. Can you hear me better now? Yes, a lot no better. Problem. Thank um, you. Growing up, I was never in um, circles that people looked like me, so I was always kind of the one that had to either stand alone or kind of kind of be on my own for a while. Sometimes if I was lucky, second uh, minority. Might have an ally, but as you learn, with you. But as I got older, I just kind of always wanted to sound my own. Since I was taking these to black populists, and anytime that I find to recommend, you know, uh, my next point of destination has always been centered on large black populists. And maybe nine or maybe eight out of ten times being like, you sure you want to go that way? And mm-hmm. not always wise to do that or, you know, have you checked the fine way and, you know, whatever excuses they may have. But uh, I know it's tough to you know, answer them, but like the reason to tell you I just absolutely love them. The first couple weeks, you know, that's all it was. said yeah we can't waver we gotta be sturdy that's what they say up in here mm-hmm. in connecticut right is that that's one of the terms right leave sturdy you gotta be sturdy you can't waver <laughs> among other things yeah yeah Valid. <laughs> and it's, it's funny you say that ernesto because that's in line with mine i actually just did an event with my old high school this week so this is why it's on my mind but I remember my high school advisor tried to talk me out of going to Morehouse and looking at HBCUs as a whole because he kept trying to make this point that, oh, like other schools have offered you free rides, you know, like other schools this, other schools that. And I, in per, perhaps not these words, but I was like, do you not hear the words coming out of my mouth? <laughs> I just told you where I want to go and where I want to be at. So like your job is not to advise me, advise me because I didn't ask you for advisement. I asked you to fill out this recommendation form or contact them for financial aid. Like I asked you so I can get this stuff done. Mm -hmm. And I think Alexa brought up a great point earlier where she referenced how it's not so much the advice is negative, but sometimes it doesn't fit you because that's Mm -hmm. true. Sometimes people are only giving advice from their perspective, which relates to what I said earlier about it being anxiety, but also relates to the different ways we occupy and navigate the world. And that sometimes it just doesn't fit. But sometimes, too, people are giving out advice that's directly detrimental, and that would inhibit our growth. 
because there were so many things, so many parts of myself that got spoken to because I went to not just an HBCU, but an HBCU in Atlanta, Georgia, right next to three other HBCUs. Like that experience in of itself was so transformative for me. And sure, I I could have gone anywhere. You know, I probably would have still developed nicely anywhere. But why shoot for nicely when life is an experience? So our experiences should match that. You know, we should always have this, this degree of, wow, that was worth it, rather than feeling like it was something I did. It was cool. You know, it's, it's on the list. For sure, for sure. And actually, upon further thought, that's also something that would have limited the way I give back to my community, too. Because now that, like, I'm at a PWI and I see the way black students in those environments desperately look for some of the some of the things that we bring with us when we leave our HBCUs. I'm reminded that if I hadn't been there and I hadn't gotten to experience it and I hadn't gotten to grow my definition of black identity and blackness, would I be as good of a mentor now? You know, would I be able to assist and talk and lead in the ways that I do now? You know, would I even be prepared and have literature to recommend to them? Probably not. Because when I talk to my mentees and I talk to my peers, something that they still talk about at my age and older, that they felt like they never got exposed to the black literature. They never got exposed to a safe way to explore blackness. And think about what that does for growth, to be in an environment that stifles you, Mm. you know, that's not watering you, that's not adding to you. Because a part of the reason why I can do so well in reminding others to strive for wholeness is because I was in an environment that asked me to do the same. And many PWIs do not do that in a way that could be authentic. And the cultural centers on campuses do a phenomenal job, but I've been at like a UConn, I've been at an LSU, like I've been at multiple schools Mm -hmm. and there's still that degree of, even here, we sometimes still feel like we're not getting enough. And in truth, they're not. Because now talk about a systemic thing. At my HBCU, we weren't getting enough because there were still peers that couldn't return because of finances. Because there were still professors who perhaps had to leave because they had outside things going on. You know, even like in 2018, for for example, I remember when all the HBCU presidents went to the White House to campaign to keep some of their funds. All of that influences our growth, which speaks to how society will take the opportunity to grow and to expand from us before we even recognize that one day we're going to encounter that. For sure. For sure. And I, I really am thankful. I'm sorry. I, my, my man just blanked for a quick second, but I'm thankful that you, you're bringing this to the forefront. Um, a lot of things need to change. A lot of our mindsets need to shift into how we can start enacting this a little bit better while also, you know, doing what's best for us um, throughout that, that growth and development journey. So, uh, before I, I led with the final question, I, again, I love doing these check-ins just to make sure that everyone's with us, um, listener-wise, but are there any uh, other thoughts that we want to add before we propose our final question um, to our guest? And 
move towards our final segment. Um, I just wanted to add one thing I had in my Please. notes was just that um, a part of growth is development, and the development aspect is realizing what it took to get you there and then staying committed to it mm. to make sure that you're always trying to progress and head in that uh, direction. Um, one quote that I saw um, across social media kind of stuck with me apropos to this uh, discussion was everyone wants to put in Everyone wants to be put on without doing the work, not realizing doing the work is how you get put on. And definitely with, you know, uh, let's just take physical fitness, for example. You know, how many times do you, you go to the gym and you see somebody that's just like, you know, shredded from head to toe, and you're like, man, you know, I'm going to do that in my way in like a month or whatever. And it's like, no, that person had to put in years of, you know, uh, just sacrifice and, you know, early mornings and two, sometimes three workouts a day. Um, and then they just kind of see, like, well, I can do that easier. It's like, no, it's uh, all about that smaller step and doing what you have to do and realizing. Um, one one thing Liebert actually told me um, that I kind of stuck with is, you know, it's okay that if you, you know, have a little lapse or, you know, um, you might not have stuck to your goal of sticking with something for 20 or 30 days, but it's okay to just realize where you are and say, you know, rather than restart, I'm going to just keep going. Um, and I think that's really important because you shouldn't give up. Right. And thank you again for highlighting commitment. And I just have a brief, really brief, um, and I would love our guests to chime in. So both uh, Ernesto and, and Alexa, but a brief uh, response to this question. How would you suggest our listeners commit or practice commitment to um, their growth and de- development? Or what, what are some methods that you all practice to make sure that you're staying commitment? Are there any accountability measures that you use for yourself? And if you can just highlight one of those, if if you have one. Go ahead. Just mentioning accountability, um, having partners and, you know, people who can, you know, have like-minded ideas or paths that you can say, hey, I understand that you're, you know, trying to accomplish something. And just having someone to check in with, you know, to make sure that they're on track for their goals, but vice versa, to hold you accountable, to be able to say, hey, I know you did, you know, X last week, you know, how are you moving with Y this week? And, you know, just, you know, not trying to make it into a race, but just realizing, you know, having an outside force to give you that checks and balances system so that, you know, you don't feel like you're doing it alone. Because I think it's definitely easier to get dismayed if, you know, you hold something to yourself and, you know, that something happens or occurs and you say, you know, if nobody knows, you know, I'm the one who might, you know, uh, weigh it a little heavier on myself just because, you know, if you hold yourself to my standards, you know, it's like that's, that's a pretty good deterrent. But if you have someone, you know, motivating you, you know, and you know, trying to encourage you along the way, then it's like, you know, that happens. It's easier to overcome it and just, you know, have that encouragement and say, hey, it's okay, you know, you had a, uh, a blunder, but it's nothing that you can't get. I think that positive Sure, sure. Alexa, do you have any thoughts? I um, definitely agree with that, that it's important to have, you know, and it's really helpful to have some outside accountability from your friends, from your network, um, because just knowing that, you know, this person or your friend is going to be asking you, have you finished this task? You know, where are you at with this? It kind of helps you hold yourself accountable. Like, okay, I need to have some sort of update for them or I need to, 
you know, have attempted this or, you know, revisited this or that way when we have a conversation that's meaningful. Um, I think personally for me, I also do just try and mentally um, keep track of what my goals are, whether they're long-term or short-term. And then I do, as best as I can, really try and break those down to as small goals as I can, small goals where I can meet them on a daily basis. That way I can know whether I'm on track for my goals or, you know, whether there's more things need to add to get to my goals. Um, that way you can kind of, you know, little bite-sized pieces that, you know, will eventually chip away at your big goal. Because um, I think once you, like, if you have a big goal, like, okay, in two years I want to be at this salary rate, at three years I want to be here, yeah. I think it can, you can kind of get lost. You know, if a year has passed and you're like, oh, I haven't really done anything to reach that goal, I think it's important to have, okay, in one month, I want to be here. In two months, I want to have applied to this many jobs, you know, right. and that, I think that can help you to reach that goal because if, if your goals are too long-term, it can kind of get lost, um, you know, as you're, as you're continuing on. Sure, sure. Thank you all. Thank you both. Um, and Libra, I haven't forgotten about you because you're going to lead this next question. Um so to to move on and I thank you again for adding your input. Um, so to flip it, sometimes our network has positive and even beneficial input to offer us. Right. So what are some of the positive input uh, on how you should develop that your net your network has offered you? Mm -hmm. And as we drop the cup and get our minds right. Again, what are some of the positive inputs that our networks have shared with us that have supported our development and our growth um, throughout our journey currently uh, or something um, from our past? And this will be our final question. Libra, do you mind leading us off on this one? Sure, sure. I think this came from uh, Dr. Young. You know, she's always full of gems. She always has great things to say. And she reminded me that it's okay to be overwhelmed by things that you asked for or said you wanted. Because sometimes we accomplish the goal, you know, we do the thing, and it's a lot. And we force ourselves to suffer through it rather than revise or adjust because we're like, nah, like, this is what I wanted. But as we know with, like, you know, Food Day, you know, or Indigenous Peoples Day, sometimes you put all that stuff on your plate because you talked about how you was going to tear it up once you got it. And then you full. And it's like, yo, it's, it's okay to be full. It's okay to stop. You know, you forcing yourself, you pushing more food in. Now you feel horrible. You about to explode. You not even enjoying the food anymore. It's always good to reassess to ourselves, are we enjoying the things that we got and we wanted? Because, you know, like I'm in college and I'm a sophomore. This is everything I wanted. I'm rising through the ranks. Mm. And yet I'm exhausted because I'm trying to maintain an image. You know, I want a 4.0 instead of learning. You know, I'm, I'm stretching myself thin because I'm trying to do all these clubs. I'm trying to get these experiences. I'm trying to get seen and I'm trying to serve my community. You know, I'm tired because I'm trying to get these experiences and I'm trying to be on the scene and I'm in the club and I'm in the social events. And it's like, at what point do we remember that our goals are for us and grow to be our whole self everywhere, which again is a yes and a no, depending on the occasion, rather than just saying all yeses or all no's to anything that we have going on. And she'll, she'll tell you pretty clearly, like, who do you think you're doing this stuff for? 
And that always sticks with me because I ask myself a lot when I feel like confused or I feel like I've gotten out of my flow. Who am I doing this for if I can't even describe why I'm on this panel, why I'm at this opportunity, you know, why I'm at this graduate program? Ernesto or Alexa? Um, I, I'll continue on what we were saying. I definitely do agree, you know, that if you have a goal or you begin growth, you're not, it's not set in stone and you're not stuck there. You can always change as things continue. As you change, your goals likely will change too. Um, so you don't have to, just because you said that you were going to do something doesn't mean that you necessarily have to stick with that. If at some point you figure out that that's not, all that you thought it was going to be or all that you want it to be. Um, but for me, my, you know, one of the bigger takeaways that I've gotten from my network would be to embrace your fear. Um, because there's been a lot of different times where I've wanted or I've gotten the opportunity to try something new or I've gotten the opportunity to network with new people, meet new people. And I've always been scared and I've said no. And there's been times when I've said yes. And more often than not, when I've said yes and I've tried something that I was scared of, I was very grateful that I said yes once it was finished with. So I always try and keep that in my mind that if something scares you or, you know, you're scared of the unknown, um, to as best as you can try and dive in head first because, you know, it, it it can it can end bad, you know, what you are afraid of can happen, but what you aren't thinking of, you know, the positive or the flip side of that can also happen. Um, and, you know, life is unknown, whether you do something you haven't done or you do something you do every day, you know, what, what that outcome is, is never going to be the same. So, you know, there's just as much as a risk doing what you've been doing every day than to do something new. Um, and usually when you do something new is when you can really grow. So that's one thing that, you know, stuck with me and that's how I've really been able to continue growing is just by doing things that I'm scared of or doing things that I fear because that's really where I can, you know, develop more as a person versus staying in, you know, your comfort bubble or your comfort zone and, um, doing what you've been doing. Um, one thing that I've, um, one positive reinforcement that my sister said in a tweet that has been just positive and encouraging was probably setting high goals and just always never limiting myself and um, realizing the potential that I have never settling. Aim for the stars, but if you miss, you know, you may be like, that was just Can you talk just a little closer? You sound like a little low. You're fine. Um, the saying that she had was aim for the stars so that in case you miss, you'll land uh, on the moon. Right. Just in terms of like never, never trying to limit yourself, you know, always try to have dreams and goals and so even. Set them even higher, you know. Don't try to let anyone affect you. So try to set limitations, um, but just to always do things um, to the best that you can, and to never, you know, say like, "Okay, I think 
know, maybe it's not true. You know, if you have something, if you're passionate about something, you know, go after it. Uh, go for it. And commit yourself to it. Whenever, you know, you're daunted by the task, you know, try what, what it is you're trying to do. Sure. And to, to add some more uh, phrases to the pot, um, one in undergrad and one in graduate school that stuck with me um, and that are connected to growth and development, not only for me, but my mindset around it. One is uh, function in spite of the noise around you. So although there are going to be a lot of things that can be distracting, that can detract us from our goal, our purpose, or whatever it may be, um, it's going to be loud. It's going to be in, in front of you, but no matter what, you have to still function in spite of it. So navigating those those high moments, navigating when everyone is asking you to, to come up or pull up um, when you're trying to focus and study, um, trying to figure out how to to compartmentalize that that microaggression or that negativity that was coming um, around you that was in your space while you were at work um, and knowing that you got to keep coming back to the space and in move through it in order to get your job done, but in order to keep your job too. So figuring out um, and understanding that, yes, all these things may happen, but I still have to function um, in spite of all those detractors or distractions that may be around my life. And I think um, in graduate school, it embodied more so, I embodied the phrase um, lead, follow, or get out the heck, get out of my way is uh, some other choice words that is in there. But I'm trying to keep it kid friendly for, for our listeners. But um, needless to say, um, it's okay for you to choose and, and have the opportunity to lead, to have the opportunity to follow someone else. But even recognizing that if, if, if I cannot lead, if I cannot follow, it's okay for me to step aside. Um, and it's okay for me to pick something back up if, it, if I have the opportunity to pick it back up at a later time. And, and recognizing that if I can't, that I learn from that experience and I use that as a teachable moment. So when I have the, the next opportunity, I'm more um, prone to be in the position where I can um, lead or follow. So making sure that I follow through on those things is something that is an ongoing um, battle. But because of my network, because I have those people who not only gave me those tools or those phrases, but also support me throughout the journey um, is crucial. And I would not be able to do what I needed to do if I didn't have that extra layer of support or if that network, if I wasn't exposed to that network at all. So although, um, and I know earlier I said sometimes we can't hang our hat on all the words that our networks say, but although we can't hang our hat on it, but it, we should never be in a space where we don't trust to give our hat to them either. And if you're following along, thank you. If you're not, what I mean by that is trusting in people, having faith that that they're not trying to lead you awry or they're not trying to deter you from what you're trying to do, but support you and help you grow and help you learn the things that you need to do and develop the skills that you need to have in order to properly develop and grow throughout your own journey, no matter what that may be or how that may look. So making your peace with, even the positive differences in yours can be tough. Because, like, I think about, for example, how when I took my gap year, right, mm -hmm. and I had multiple advisors and professors who told me to, took them, to take it, I mean, it still fell off the mark because not many of my other peers did it. 
they all went immediately into like a program, into a job, into grad school. And I immediately, like I said earlier, like many of us said, trying to do the comparison point. You know, Alexa referenced how her friends were like, well, just come with me. Like you can figure it out in, you know, in my shadow. And even then we have to recognize that learning and growth happens near people, you know, with Mm -hmm. people and away from people. Because I, now that more time has passed, you know, I graduated in 2018, so I'm nearly three years out of school. You know, I see many of my peers finish like one semester of grad school and then left, or maybe finish the first year and then left because they had to realize for their own growth, perhaps going directly into grad school wasn't for them. They really put into context, once again, that you miss the nuance when you assume because you don't know people's full lived experience when you're trying to grow like them, you know, when you're trying to mirror them. But (laughs) there are a variety of things that happen in different ways based on maybe the time of day, maybe the month, maybe the season. So for us to act like everything is the same is really us missing, well, why would you limit yourself by saying you come or you do things in one certain way when that's quite literally not how anything works? Right. You're absolutely right. Do any of our guests have now, Paul? Would you like to? Oh, yeah, <laughs> we please. all enjoy it at the same time. Sure, I'll, I'll sure. talk it to you, Lexa. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like that is important because I think for your network, you know, for personal growth, it's good to surround yourself with people who have similar mindsets of you who have goals that are similar to yours but it's also important to you know realize that everyone's different and even though you and your friend both want to be doctors your process getting there is definitely probably more likely not going to be different than the other person so it's important to know that you know what your your growth is only going to like your own growth it won't look like anyone else's growth and it's important to be comfortable in your growth and to not rush it because it'll happen as it's meant to happen um you know on your own time as it should and um just i guess have faith that you know you'll get there and you know your growth will happen like it should but to not over compare yourself to your friends and your peers and um even to people that you look up to because you don't know, like Liebert mentioned, you don't know exactly what they're going through on a day-to-day basis. You don't know all that they've done to get there. Um, you don't know all that they haven't done or all the failures they've had. So it's really difficult and almost impossible to really truly compare yourself to someone else because there's mm. so many things that are unknown to you that you can't see that you're just making assumptions for that can hinder your own growth because they hinder how you look into yourself. Sure. And think about that added pressure that comes with the comparison. Like, why even put yourself through that um, when you don't have all the information on how they actually achieved their level of success or, or whatever you're comparing yourself to? So adding the extra burden that may lead to you stunting your growth, like you mentioned, Alexa, or not only stunting it or just maybe just getting it all together out your mind. So you may not even want to grow anymore or may feel that it's necessary for you to grow because... Now you you feel defeated when it could be a motivate motivational tool um, for you instead. But 
since we have this thought-provoking silence, I think this is a perfect time for us to transition into our final segment. And again, I thank our wonderful guests for coming on the show today and giving us some insight, not only on their experiences and perceptions of what it means to change, what it means to grow, but also just really engaging in a fruitful conversation around growth and development. So thank you again. And now we are in the spot uh, or we're in the portion of the show where we highlight people who are doing good or someone you just want to give a shout out to. And we call this segment Lead by Example. So Alexa, Ernesto, do you have any Lead by Example candidates for tonight? Anyone you want to just show love to, you want to shout out, they're doing great work, um, whatever it may be, the floor is yours. I do. Um, real quick, I want to give a shout out to my best friend from college. She just finished law school. Woo! Shout out to her in the middle of the panoramic. She finished law school, passed the bar, and she is an official attorney able to, you know, so shout out to her. That's that a big accomplishment. Um, you know, not only finishing law school, partially pandemic, but then studying for the bar and taking the bar from her house. Um, and that definitely is something that, you know, I'm super proud of her for doing. And it's, you know, really good to have somebody like that in my network who's so determined and, you know, so focused on their goals and accomplishing them by any means necessary. So shout out to her. <laughs> shout out to our best friend, my best friend, my best friend. She just passed the bar. Shout out to our best friend. She deserves this clap right here. We need more like her. Striving for excellence, Can trying we get to change. A name, Alexa. Yeah, What's yeah, toss us a name. Her name is Carmel Joseph. Okay. okay. Shout, Shout out to Carmel. Carmel. Shout out to Carmel. <laughs> Don't get it mistaken with Caramel. We looking out for Carmel. Shout out to you, sis. Appreciate you. Keep doing the things that you're doing and striving for excellence. Ernesto, do you have anyone you want to shout out? Those two pups of yours could get right. a clap if if you wanted them to. Thank you, brother. Thank you for the shout out for Libra and Paul. Thank you, Ernesto, for being a great guest, for being a great change agent in his work. And he will pass his exam, right? We talked a few episodes back about yes, barriers in yes, these sir. exams. I will be a real estate agent. Yes, I'm naming and claiming. That's right. And we manifest things. Words have power. So you will pass that exam. And 
when we're ready to buy houses in, in the South, specifically in North Carolina, we know who to go to, right? We know who to go to. More success, more everything, yep. Right on. Always what we're looking forward to. Right on. <laughs> um, for me, Libra, I'm, I'm going to keep this train rolling on the Libra train right now. And I just want to highlight all the work that you do, not only for completing another semester but and moving towards graduation, but the work that you do on the show. A lot of people don't know, but they're going to know now. Libra does a lot of content creation. Yeah, there's some ideas bouncing off from me, but a lot of the work where he's crafting questions, where he's trying to come up with ideas, um, he's, he takes the lead on that, and I support him on that. So I, I wanted to make sure that, first of all, that the, the listeners and all of our wonderful guests know the impact and the influence that you have on my life, but also on this show. Um, so I'm so glad to have a partner like you, and I want nothing but continued success for you as well because you are – an amazing change agent, you're an amazing champion, and also just an amazing friend and brother. So um, kudos to you for all you do, Lieber, and continue doing those things. So you already know I'm going to pitch that button, so here it comes. There it is, right there. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Lieber. And uh, my shout out is indirectly Dr. Hines. So I'm just going to show Dr. <laughs> Hines love. Dr. Hines does a lot of phenomenal work, both in the past and the present, because my shout out is Scholars House, you know, mm. more specifically the mentees that I work with. Because you know, now that the semester's ended and we've been having our final meetings, you know, a lot of them have been like real candid about how they feel about me and how the, the type of work I've done in our relationship. And it just makes me so proud to know that I've, quickly become the mentor who a lot of mine were for me because some of the first things all of them said was so like this isn't weird to ask but can we still speak once the mentorship ends <laughs> and I was like man what like what do you mean of course we can but then I had to think about it and it's like at 19 at 20 at 21 you know it often can be uncomfortable to recognize that like wow I, I appreciate mentorship I appreciate people talking to me both as a young adult, a young man, but also as somebody who possesses knowledge on their own. And it's so grounding to me to have that and to hear that, because especially as somebody who's an aspiring counselor and an aspiring therapist, but also as a, also a young man who was like, man, like mentorship really changed my life. It's just so nice to know that I'm giving back to my community in a variety of ways. But especially when the pandemic happened and I wasn't able to do some of the usual things I did, it really left a mark on me because I, I knew that community service meant a lot to me, but I didn't know just how much it meant to me until I couldn't do some of it as often. Like I remember Mai and I did a clothing drive over the summer. And even while I was scared to be out, cause again, we still in the plan B, I was like, yo, like it feels so good to be back out here, like, like <laughs> helping and assisting and, trying to do things for my people. So Dr. Hines and Scholars House, I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. Shout out to old man Hines. I'm going to give you a clap, Dr. Hines, because you always shine in his program, his work. I know he's at a new institution, but that foundation, that framework, the stability that he left behind um, is transformational. And as Liebert already mentioned, there's a lot of work to be done. However, it's a blessing that we can work with this population of black men and really see um, the fruits of our labor, right? And also to pour back in the community because it's really about them at the end of the day. The next generation, the people who are coming in behind us more so than highlighting and showcasing us. And 
Um, Dr. Hines did a wonderful job of doing that in the work at Scholars. So thank you again. Mm-hmm. So now that and now, yep, go ahead. I'll, no, 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 you yeah, took the words from my you. mouth, man. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're at our listener question of the day. And the question today is, in what ways have you grown? And just as always, I'm going to restate that one more time. In what ways have you grown? As you all know, we have a wonderful Instagram at Thoughts from Counselors. We post a lot of neat content. You know, we do everything from episode snippets to neat things we think people benefit from hearing. So once this one goes up, we look forward to y'all commenting and resharing on it. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Definitely. And, last- and now for, yep, for the last thing for our guests. What are just some key takeaway, a uh, key takeaways? You know, some final closing thoughts you'd like to leave our viewers with, either from things that you didn't cover to things you'd like to reiterate. Um, I'll jump on that. So, I do want to just really kind of reiterate that change is different for everyone because that's something I really struggled with going through my early 20s. Um, you know, just seeing people I went to high school with, people I went to college with after graduating and seeing everyone go on to such different trajectories afterwards, it's very difficult to, you know, see me not, I mean, right after college, I wasn't in my career, in my field. So it was hard to see what am I doing wrong? Why am I not? in what I majored in and why is someone else, how they already find a career? How are they already making this amount? What am I doing wrong? Did I major in the wrong thing? So I think that for me is the biggest takeaway that I would want to, you know, really reiterate is just that your growth and your personal development, it looks different for everyone and your time frame is your own. And um, there's your, you know, someone else's time frame is their own. And they're not going to be the same. So just because you are still living with your mom like I am or, you know, you are out of college but you aren't quite in your field yet, there's time, like Rupert said, you know, you have a lifetime of chances to grow into where you want to be and to really develop into the person you want to be. And just have to remember that this process, you know, sometimes your growth can be quick, but also it can be slow and it can take, you know, a lot of, time, months, days, even years to really grow into where you want to be. So just be patient um, and just really be consistent in that growth and you know, you'll get there. <laughs> in fact, to, to add on, I would say be mindful that growth change is inevitable, is, is bound to happen. Right. So just like at end game, uh, when Thanos was like, I am inevitable. Um, change is inevitable. I can always stumble with that. Change is bound to happen. Um, growth is bound to happen. And you need to be mindful of the fact that it's an ongoing journey. These things can't just happen or will happen only during a specific time in your life. From zero to 100, I'm going to claim it for you all. You're going to live um, very long lives. So it's from zero to 100, zero to 125, however long you may live. Um, be mindful that there's always going to be stages where you will need to grow where you will need to develop and you will definitely need to change. Um, especially when it means the bettering your life or the, your community or the people around you. So keep that in mind as you navigate your life, um, moving forward. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I think my final takeaway is going to be look forward to the new you and tell yourself that the old you is enough, the current you is enough, but that the new you is still worth celebrating. Because the reality is that 2013 is past, 2016 is past. So why be that version of yourself in 2020? You know, you should actively seek to ask yourself, well, who can I be for this new year? Because I know personally, it seems like every maybe three to four months, I get an update. You know, there's always something that is getting tweets where my brain is like, hey, charge your device in. We got something we need to change really quick. But that's good because that means I'm moving. That means I'm doing new things. That means I'm trying new things. And we've often been told that change is a bad thing because we've been taught that consistency is a good thing. But the reality is that not all consistency is created equal. You can consistently be a little shaky. That's not exactly good consistency. You can consistently be unreliable. That's not good consistency. So once again, try to consider the context in which you try to shape your growth or deny it. Because you may find out that it's not worth it. Well said, brother. I think that the last bit of knowledge I want to impart to our listeners with is just that, um, you know, the growth can be slow. You know? um, I think our generation, generation after us, due to our access to information, we live in a microwave society. We learn things instantly. Um, but you have to realize that, you know, Things come with time, and just being willing and committed to the process and just everything that it includes. You know, I'm not going to try to do a Zen master and only speak in parables, but you uh, <laughs> must go through dirt before it's able to blossom. You know, like there's a, a stage that you, know, you must go through before you get to that end result, and you know, have to keep going and, and keep pushing. That love who you are, but also people who you become. Mm-hmm. And, and just stay true to you and, and stick to the cause because it's definitely worth it. And on the other side, you're able to see just leaps and bounds of goal. Um, you know, those incremental steps, you know, at the time don't seem like a lot, but it starts with one step. You know, mm-hmm. you know you've made it to a new level or a new stage, and you're able to see, like, wow. You know, it just seemed like so long ago it's done X, Y, and Z, and you know, you mm-hmm. can find this appreciation for this you know, the accomplishment that you know you were able to do it. So find that accountability partner, surround yourself with um, positive people who you know, want to see you become the best version of yourself. And like Mike, you just do it. Mm-hmm. And grow so that others can benefit from it too. On your point of love, I began thinking about how a lot of our development ultimately does trickle down to our community. So once again, listeners, try to think about the ways in which your lack of growth or your unexplored growth does end up limiting those around you. Because now that's one less person telling everybody else, hey, y'all, we should be on some new stuff. For sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. But on that note, I'm Libra Lester the Third, and I'm Paul Singleton the Second. We're signing off, everybody.
Thank you for another wonderful episode. Catch you all next time. Shackle feet, Cape Town.